The Guardian. It might make you think of green, slimy scum floating ominously in your local pond. But algal blooms aren't just found in lakes and lagoons. Recently, reports of pink snow on the Italian Alps had scientists asking questions about what role algae might be playing on glaciers and ice sheets. In Greenland, studies have also shown that algae turning the ice different colours, ranging from pink to green, is increasing the amount of light absorbed and ultimately accelerating melting of the ice sheets. This rapid melting also provides new slushy habitats for many species of algae to thrive in, potentially setting up dangerous climate feedback loops. So what do algal blooms tell us about what we're doing to our aquatic environments, from the oceans up to the frozen heights of the Alps? I actually notice what looked like dust on the ice surface. And when I looked under my field microscope, I realised they were actually algae. And that's when we started to realise that there were large blooms growing on the surface of the ice. I'm Hannah Devlin, and this is Science Weekly. To find out more about algal blooms, I spoke to Marion Yallop, a professor in aquatic microbial ecology at the University of Bristol. Marion, this week we're talking about algae, and I wanted to start off by asking you for your sort of um, description of what algae is and, and what it encompasses when we're talking about it in a scientific sense. Yes, absolutely. Algae are a very large and very diverse group of organisms. We think that there are somewhere in the region of about 75,000 different species, but actually with, all, with the advent of all the genomic work, we now know that there's an awful lot more species and they range enormously in size from the ones that you see on the pond, um, but going even smaller to the microscopic species that might be living in the water, pond water and in our lakes and uh, oceans, and then right up to the very largest of algae, the seaweeds, which could be of the order of maybe 80 metres or so in some of the coastal regions like the Pacific coast of uh, North and South America. And I also wanted to ask about algal blooms, which is something that we hear about often in a negative sense, where it kind of sounds like they've grown out of control. Is that what it means? And sort of, could you just take me through how they start and how long they last for? Blooms are used in a, a very generic sense. Every year, different species of algae will bloom at different times of the year. But the ones you often hear about are ones that have got out of control and might for some reason be doing some damage in the environment. But actually, blooming is a, a normal part of the life cycle for many species. When the, they have particular conditions, suite of conditions that enable them to grow very rapidly, and when the combination of their requirements, the resources are appropriate, they could reach very high numbers. Some people would say as long as there's a thousand cells per milliliter in the water, that that would constitute a bloom, but there could be upwards of say 200,000. Now, recently, We've heard of reports of algal blooms 
on glaciers, uh, on snow and ice. And in particular, um, there have been reports of pink snow appearing in the Italian Alps due to algae living in it. Now, this isn't an entirely new phenomenon by the sounds of it, but why are we hearing more reports of algal blooms appearing on glaciers, on snow and ice, places that haven't really been traditionally associated with algae? Yes, we are hearing more and more reports and partly that's more um, an increased awareness of the presence of these organisms. For example, the first time I went onto the Greenland ice sheet, I was going to be focusing on these depressions where large amounts of surface material collect on the ice sheet. But I actually noticed what looked like dust on the ice surface. And when I looked under my field microscope, I realised they were actually algae. And that's when we started to realise that there were large blooms growing on the surface of the ice, not in the, as well as in the depression holes. I thought I'd made a wonderful discovery on the Greenland ice sheet, but it actually turned out when I went back to the old records that there were records of these ice algae in the 1870s and some of the earliest explorers like Sven Begren and Adolf Nordenskjöldi were there documenting the presence of these and even realising that they could represent a potential threat to melting of ice. As you've said, this isn't a new phenomenon and clearly one part is this heightened awareness. But there have also been reports that the climate crisis and increasing temperatures have had a part to play in the rising number of blooms, including toxic blooms in lakes and oceans, as well as the ones on ice and snow. So what do the number of blooms tell us about what's actually happening in the environment? Should we be worried? There's an indication when we're getting an increasing number of blooms all over the the planet, that there are systems that are out of balance. There's something wrong. Some of the requirements that are very important for algae are, of course, the key nutrients, things like nitrates and phosphates, um, but also they have a requirement for being in the right um, pH environment and they need to receive enough light. And it's a particular combination of nutrients and the right temperature, the right light level that will enable them to proliferate. And I think one of the reasons why they're being reported more often now is that as the snow is increasingly melting, so you can get accumulations of these algae concentrating in higher biomass. I wanted to move on to that and ask how the presence of these algae species might affect the kind of rate that ice and snow are melting and whether it makes any difference that the snow has become pink or, you know, some of the other colours that the algae produce. Yes, indeed. You can have surface snow blooms that are green, but commonly we're finding oranges and pinks on the snow and on the ice we're finding a a brown-purplish pigment So these extra pigments that the ice algae produce are really protective for them because they enable less light to actually reach the chlorophyll and they can still photosynthesize, but actually at a relatively low level, even though the light that's hitting them can be very high. 
And those ice algae devote an awful lot of their resources into making these extra pigments. But whilst that's a very good thing that to enable the algae to survive, it can be very detrimental for the ice melt because it affects the surface reflectance, the albedo on the surface of the ice. And originally we used to think that uh, dust was the main thing, but we now know that these ice algae have an important component in affecting ice albedo. It sounds like the science of this is just emerging, but one of your recent studies on the Greenland ice sheet found that where there was high algal abundance, it contributed to an additional nearly two centimetres of water per day by darkening the surface so that the ice was absorbing more radiation and melting more quickly. That sounds like quite a significant amount. Is this something that people who are studying the kind of rates of melting have factored in 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 models and sort of projections of how long the Greenland ice sheet has got left? There's been a lot of work modelling the surface of the ice sheet, looking at the past few decades in terms of ice sheet melt and accumulation of snow on the surface of the ice. And it's only more recently that we've begun to consider whether we could include the ice algal pigments. They occupy a relatively small area on the ice sheet, but the worry is that as the surface albedo changes, we're getting more liquid water. And the one thing we know the algae have an absolute requirement for is this liquid water. So that could mean that the expanse of the blooms on the surface would increase. Maybe it would favour other species as well to come in and colonise the surface of the ice. And these algae can sort of act as sentinels of of climate change. And so it's very worrying. We've talked about the impact on the sort of melting of snow and ice, but what about the ecosystem at large? And, you know, are there any benefits for biodiversity in these frozen regions or is it a bad thing for the ecosystem as well? Yes, these algae are proliferating and there's an increasing amount of carbon being fixed. And that carbon is available as a food resource for other organisms. And scientists are currently investigating that to see whether the ice algae are actually a palatable food source. But that might not be as catastrophic as their impact on ice sheet melt and increasing sea surface levels. However, If we think about some of the blooms that are happening in other ecosystems like the Great Lakes, 21% of our fresh water is locked up in the Great Lakes. And we're hearing more and more records of um, blooms occurring. Because of all the runoff from agriculture, we have the perfect conditions to reach vast blooms. And there we're talking about blooms that form miles, extensive miles of growth in our oceans and some of the Great Lakes, and they can have catastrophic effects. Another possibility is actually that uh, some of these might have toxins. Some can be what they call blue-green algae, but they're actually cyanobacteria. In the Great Lakes, one called microcystis is reaching very high 
concentrations. And that can often contain a toxin, which is toxic to a wide variety of organisms. And then there are other harmful algal blooms that you've probably heard about that cause these red tides. And so actually the problem is enormous because we're seeing records of new species that we didn't originally uh, associate with uh, toxicity suddenly seem to be on the rise. And whether that is a result of long-term accumulation of nutrients or releasing substances into the water bodies, which can cause an ever-increasing number of blooms. But the problems are very challenging for uh, anyone managing these water bodies because of the sheer scale of the problem. I wondered, had there been any attempts or were there any ideas of getting rid of the algae and were there any ways that you could do that? I mean, I've seen elsewhere there have been some sort of quite radical solutions covering up snow in tarpaulins to try and protect it from melting. I wondered if anything similar had been tried with the algae. I think it depends where they are. Um, In a lot of cases, they are very important for helping to mitigate against the effects of climate change and increasing levels of CO2. And there was a classic example back in the 80s, uh, which involved putting iron into areas of the Southern Ocean, where we knew the nutrients were relatively high, the key nutrients for algal growth, but the algae weren't growing very well. And a guy, uh, Martin, famously uh, said that uh, if you could show me a barrel of iron and I'll give you an ice age, um, he was predicting that Iron limitation was the reason why you weren't getting the algae. If you put iron in the oceans, the algae would grow, they would proliferate, there would be an enormous uh, amount of CO2 taken up for photosynthesis. But the big concern about that is that it's um, you're bioengineering, you're manipulating an environment where you don't know what the consequences will be. And what's likely to happen if you were to put chemicals on any of these blooms in in a way to try to control them or increase them or decrease them, is that you change the biology. You will change the organisms. There'll always be something else that can survive under those altered conditions, but it might be a species that isn't perhaps such a good food resource. So it's, it's dangerous to try to manipulate ecosystems when they're so complex and you don't know what all the knock on consequences are in the food chain. But unless we do anything really to try to reduce the acceleration in temperature, um, I'm afraid their, their lifestyle, that lifestyle may not be an option for the future. Thanks so much, Marion. That, that's been fascinating. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks again to Marion. You can find links to our news stories on the environmental impact of algae on the podcast page at theguardian.com. We'll be back next week. See you then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.